Oats are one of my ultimate comfort foods. Golden, creamy, filling, tasty. What is there not to love? It's been that way for me for a long time, long before I realised that huge swathes of my English, Scottish, Welsh and Irish ancestors subsisted on oats, sometimes eating them three times a day for many generations. Today we'll focus on the oat and fermenting oats. Finally, Andrea let me out of my cage to talk about some of the research that I've been doing into this wonderful grain over the last year. Listen in and I'm sure you'll hear things that you did not know about oats. We'll talk about five reasons why you'd want to ferment your oats. We'll give you a brief history of the grain and some traditional examples of oat fermentation. We'll talk about the sad way that most oats are eaten these days. And then we'll get practical and give you details of how to ferment your oats. And as you'll hear Andrea say early on, stay to the end for some potentially controversial information that's come from my latest research into oats and phytic acid. It's probably not what you're expecting to hear. It certainly wasn't what I was expecting to find out. And it's changed how I eat my oats. This episode is literally jam-packed with information. You might need to listen to the sciencey bits towards the end a couple of times to get them under your belt. But I hope it will inform, inspire and get you super clear on this wonderful golden grain and how you can bring it to life through fermentation in your own kitchen. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Alison. How are you? I'm good, Andrea. Thank you very much for asking. How are you? I can see you're wrapped I in a blanket. Or I, well. did, I did see you're wrapped <laughs> in a blanket, so I'm thinking it's yes. a bit chilly there this morning. Yeah, our temp turns real quick. Once it turns, it's just, it turns for good. So yeah. it's well, chilly now. It's spring. Yeah. So yep. what, what, what did you last eat? Let's start. Ooh, what did I last eat? On. Uh, we had a, yeah, we had a nice dinner last night. I made a bunch of sourdough pasta yesterday mm. and I cooked some of it last night. Mm. Is that the recipe um, from the cookbook? Chicken broth. Yep. Yep. Recipes in the cookbook. Um, I basically followed our chicken soup recipe that's in there, or I think I might've called it turkey soup. I can't remember what I yeah, called it. Yeah, I think there. you called it turkey but, soup. Yeah. But I made that and uh, it was delicious. Kids all loved it. Everybody loves noodles. So, yeah. What about you? Sounds good. I had a really simple lunch. You know, kind of some days you kind of don't want as much. And, yes. Um, I just wanted simple. So I put the cast iron pan on, put some lard in, fried some tomato. The tomatoes here are lovely at the moment. And then cut some sourdough bread, spelt, half spelt, half rye. Because since we bought our grain mill, the mock mill, the, the rye bread is so lovely. I have to keep trying some. And um, spread that with lard, 
put an egg in the cast iron pan, fried it, and just put the whole lot on the sourdough bread, tipped some sauerkraut on the top, and munched it away. It was lovely. Sounds delicious. Simple. I saved Classic. The, I saved the a yolk till last. I kind of cut all of around course. the bread, yes. cutting all the white <laughs> off and eating that bit. And then I was left with this big yellow circle on a bit of bread. Mm. And I put that in my mouth in one big bite. It was oh, yeah. <laughs> Your brain probably just like exploded right there. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> it was. It was very, I love very, it. Very nice. Well, are you ready for this oh, episode? Let me ask you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know how excited <laughs> I am to actually dedicate an entire episode to this? Because we Goodness. haven't done it before. Anybody who is a patron of the podcast knows because they've heard basically the development of this episode over various mm-hmm. patron calls and KTCs we've talked about you know some kind of some aspects and things like that so it's so nice to just go in on this topic and stay here for a while indeed so we are going to be talking about fermenting oats and um I tried I tried to there's so much information in my head about oats so I tried to split it into some simple kind of categories so we can work through it logically so I've got Five reasons why you would want to ferment your oats. And then I thought I'd share some traditional examples of oat fermenting and then explain how to ferment the oats. Um, And I'd start with just a really simple two-step hands-off method. And then at the end, um, I have done a lot of research on phytic acid recently in the last six months. And we've got kind of a, a, a gritty discussion um, about phytic acid in particular in reference to oats which might be different from what people listening to the podcast think they know about phytic acid and oats so do stay to the end to hear that bit yeah I'm gonna just throw out the word I'm gonna say the word mm-hmm. controversial <laughs> controversial controversy yeah please do listen because you and I as you've been on this journey we've been like wait a minute and then we have to go basically to the original source and you're looking at things and we're like what so this is really interesting information that is fascinating. Indeed. So, Indeed. so yeah. the reason um, we decided to do this episode now is to celebrate, first of all, uh, a Zoom recording that I put out as a course at a very low cost, but also mm-hmm. to celebrate the fact that I'm starting work on an oat book and to share some of that kind of yes. research that's been seeping into my cells and my brain. So um, yes. those two things go along with this episode. I will put a link to the Zoom course which is eight dollars, eight US dollars in the show notes, so you can access that. Get it. And then I I think the way you have it set up, if when when we buy the fermented oats mm-hmm. course, that's eight dollars, then we can actually basically get eight dollars off the Suins course, right? That's right. So if you so buy it's basically the, all in one. Exactly. If yeah. you buy that course and you were kind of thinking about the Suins course anyway, well then you'll get that money off the Suins course when you Go ahead and decide that you want to take on Suens as a project, Scottish Hope for Men. So, so yeah. in the Zoom course, though, that you put out, the one that's just eight dollars, yeah. There, so there, the, the fact that you're writing a book about this, mm. <laughs> there's a lot to be said here. And I know we, as far as we're going to go into it today, we're not even going to cover everything. Not even close. It's insane how much there is. But in the Zoom course, so what you have there is an introduction to the 
healthy and gluten-free oats, which they naturally are. The only reason an oat might not be gluten-free is because it's processed on the same mill as wheat, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So oats just grow naturally gluten-free. That's right. <clears throat> okay. So you'll talk in that. And I know in that course you cover hand rolling and right. um, why your oat groats might not sprout, why you'd want to ferment them. Um, you also talk about the sourdough oatmeal mm-hmm. and then you show us the <laughs> UK versions of oat cakes, which yeah. was really fun that we were just talking about that in the discord with the patrons and that Mary Barton quote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got the Scottish style and then the oat pancakes from Northern England. And that's the one they were talking about in Mary Barton, right? That's the, right. Yeah. In Flatlands that you sent me that picture of. Yeah. Um, and then you'll talk about Suins a little bit. And then here we go. Humry, which is the <laughs> a Welsh word from Wales and yeah. doesn't, isn't spelled with any of the letters that you think are in it. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> tastes lovely, no matter what it's called. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's right. That's kind of a, a summary of what's in the course. And um, okay. it's me sitting at my kitchen table, talking and showing. Um, yeah. And so it's it, like this, but with film, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so before we dive in, let's just do a little bit of joyful admin. We've got a couple of reviews. Thank you ever so much to everyone who's left reviews for us. We love reading each and every one, and they're just, they keep us going, keep us enthused and excited about what we're bringing and all the people who are connecting with us. So we've got two to read. Um, my one that I'm going to read is from Bibliomaniac Girl who titled mm. it one Love of my top favorite podcast five stars <laughs> and she says living an alternative healthy lifestyle is isolating enough especially when it is for health issues that most people do not comprehend diet is such a huge topic in our day and time and people make all kinds of exceptions for special occasions but some of us can't ever do that due to severe consequences I say all that to say sometimes it can be isolating. Podcasts like this one are a huge help to me emotionally. I feel so kindred to the things they are speaking regarding a traditional healthy diet and I don't feel so weird or extreme. Thank you for all the time and effort that goes into this podcast. I need it. I've loved every episode and learn new things and laugh along with you. Thank you. Thank you, Biblia. Oh, I love that. And you've got one as well, Andrew. Yes, I do. I, I, uh, the name, um, is M J I W S V Y dot L P. So maybe that's like a Welsh, Welsh word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but you know who you are. So you left this review that says a true gem in the natural health world. I am so thankful I found this podcast. This is actually the first Apple podcast review I took the time to write because it's well-deserved. Allison and Andrea are a joy to listen to and are both a wealth of knowledge on the ancestral eating lifestyle. Also, how crazy is it that they have never met in person, but you'd never be able to tell that by listening to their chemistry. Can we get a fundraiser going for the big Allison and Andrea ancestral meetup? You guys are great. Keep it up. Oh, man. I love it. That's yeah, I, so, I can't even believe we haven't met in person sometimes. No, nor can I. I'm sure. I'm sure we have kind of on some plane that is not visible. You know, some in the spiritual world somewhere. Yeah, we meet yeah. Regularly. Honestly, you and I talk more than I think with anybody I know, other than Gary, because 
we regularly have these calls where you and I are talking all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and other people, I sometimes see them in a month, or sometimes I don't. You know, you can't you can't so. get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. Oh, I love oh, it. Thank you. Okay, and let's talk about Patreon for a moment. Unbelievably, we have thirty six new oh patrons goodness. since the last time. Yeah, we shout out for the patrons. That's so, awesome. for the for the sake of not um, kind of listing thirty six new names, I just want to say thank <laughs> you to each and every one of you who has signed up as a patron since the last time we talked about this. It makes such a difference to the work that we're doing. We've got people who've signed up at the five dollar level, um, which mm-hmm. is the sponsorship level, right through to people who have signed up at the mentorship level, which is the level where you have access to um, a one-on-one call with Andrea or I every month. So it's just wonderful. If you're a new patron and you're not on Discord yet, do go into Discord. We've had a big kind of reorg of Discord in the last couple of weeks, and we've got some beautiful threads and discussions going on there. So go check it out. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Are we ready? Okay, we're ready. ready Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Take a deep breath, Alison. Okay. You can do it. So um, let's start by talking about why you would want to ferment oats. And I've got Mm. five reasons for that. The first one, I kind of put them in order of kind of how I think important they are as well. So the first one is because they taste great. Anyone who's listened to this podcast and dabbled in fermented food is likely to think that fermented food is tasty. You know, that's kind of one of the things that draws us on. It's not just the health benefits. It's the delicious flavor that fermenting imparts. And the further we go down that particular um, path, the more our palate becomes accustomed and can taste the nuances and really starts to love the flavors. So oats are um, a delicious food and they're even more delicious, I think if you ferment them. Many people who have started fermenting oats, really due to the video that's on my um, homepage, have said to me, I just can't go back now because I just love them so much. They taste amazing. Yeah, we hear that a lot. So that's number one. Number two is to soften and hydrate them. Feel free to jump in at any point if you want, Andrea. So if you're soaking your oats, fermenting them which you have to soak them to ferment them because you need water you're going to soften the grain and you're going to hydrate the grain so then when that goes into your digestion it's not going to be taking moisture or liquid from the stuff that's already in your system in order to hydrate it and make it soft it's already going to be a soft food in a state that's easier for your digestion to handle so to soften and hydrate them is number two Number three is to allow the live bacteria in the ferment to digest some of the complex carbohydrate in the grain. So we know that it's harder for our systems to digest complex carbohydrate just because they have to break them down into simple carbohydrates in the process of digestion. And when we put live bacteria with a food and allow it those live bacteria to do their work, they begin to actually digest some of those complex carbohydrates for us and break them down. So it means they're doing basically some of our work for us. 
which means when we come to do the digestive work, we don't need to give it as much energy. So our body can digest more easily. It can get more nutrients from that food. And it can, when it digests more easily, it can use its energy to do other things in our body, like healing, like keeping us, you know, yeah. at, the, at the right temperature and the right kind of mental state. So that's quite an important thing, the live bacteria. It's like digesting. when you walk in the kitchen and the kitchen's already clean and you can just start oh. cooking and you don't have to clean before you start. Oh, that'd be nice. You get so much more done. I know. <laughs> Exactly. Good feeling. Okay. That's how your body feels. Number four. We talked about on a previous episode quite a way back, which you can go and try and um, find, delve between our episodes, about postbiotics and paraprobiotics. So those mm -hmm. are, um, contrary to popular belief, fermented foods don't lose all the benefits that they have when they're cooked. There are things that are left over after um fermented foods are cooked called postbiotics and paraprobiotics, which scientists are really just starting to understand the numerous benefits they have for us. They do work in our intestines and they help our immune system. They're, they're just mm -hmm. amazing things. And you'll be cooking your fermented oats when you eat them. And if you ferment them, rather than if you don't ferment them, when you cook them, you're going to have all those delicious and um, helpful postbiotics and paraprobiotics to do work in your system. So that's uh, another reason, Number that's number four, why you'd want to ferment your, your oats. Number five is to mitigate phytic acid. So phytic acid, as probably most of our listeners know, is something that can bind to essential minerals and stop you from digesting them. And there is a way that you can ferment your oats, which will help break down that phytic acid so that when you consume your oats, you are not having the problem of the phytic acid taking those minerals and making them unavailable for you to absorb. So that one, as I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, is quite a rabbit hole. And we'll get to that a bit later on. Uh -huh. So... If you're into ancestral eating, you'll know that liver is a superfood full of vitamin A, K and a whole host of B vitamins, plus many essential minerals. It has a truly exceptional nutrient profile and is a staple of traditional healthy diets. But it's not always as easy to get liver into our lives as we want. Getting a good supply, knowing how to cook it so it actually tastes good, and getting all of our family to eat it. These things can be hard, especially when we're busy or travelling. That's where Andrea and I turn to liver capsules. They give us the incredible benefits of liver without having to worry about the sourcing, the preparation, or the eating. One Earth Health produces organ capsules from 100% grass-fed New Zealand-raised cattle. As a podcast listener, you can get 5% off and free shipping by using the link oneearthhealth.com forward slash ancestral kitchen. And each time you order, you'll also be supporting us to keep on making the podcast. Details and the link are in the show notes. Um... Okay, so you had some questions, Andrew. When I said when I suggested that this was an episode, 
you fired questions at me. Do you want to um, give me one of those? And we'll I did. Start from there now. <laughs> I really just launched them at you. So the first one is what I always have about everything. How far back do we see this? Where, where, where is the origin? What are our oldest records of people eating and raising oats? Yeah. Okay. So oats are reasonably late um, entrant on the grain um, kind of history table. Initially, as really all grains, they were a, a weed, a wild grass, and they came from Asia Minor. They have been found in archaeological digs as a weed in Greece in prehistoric times. You know, they found the bits on the pottery. Mm-hmm. We do know that they were cultivated in northwest Europe in um, the second millennium BC. As the climate got colder, there was a climate shift, and then oats moved into being cultivated in the second millennium BC. But really, the thing that um, made oats so important, particularly you know in Britain, and that's kind of where it spread it from, is that the Romans brought oats to Britain when they when they um, conquered Britain. So the reason the Romans brought oats to Britain was to feed horses. And it seems the more I learn about the history of oats, the history of oats is really entwined with the history of agriculture and the history of horses particularly. So the Romans used horses for their cavalry. And then later horses were used instead of oxen to plough because they could do more work. Um, When the Romans came and conquered Britain, the emperors Trajan and Hadrian, there's documentation to show that they actually imported oats in order to feed their horses and oats have actually been found in digs dated to the Roman period near where Roman bases were throughout the UK. So we know that it's the Romans that really transported the oat grain to the UK. Then the climate changed a bit after that, it became moister and the pH levels in the soil declined. Now, the staple grain before oats in um, the UK was barley, and that change made barley cultivation harder. So I think what must have happened is locals must have seen, you know, the oats being imported, and they probably grew those oats for the Romans to feed the horses, and they saw how well that crop grew. So they thought, "Mm, we're going to grow this because it just, it works so wonderfully in our climate, which it did. And because of that, oats became basically the principal, if not only, cereal crop grown in vast swathes of the UK, in Scotland, in Wales, in Northern Britain, in Cornwall, in Ireland. Um, And that was a turning point because the climate was so, just so good for oats, sort of damp and wet, and the pH levels were right. Um, Oats just stuck. And then because of that, a, a big culinary tradition grew up around oats in the UK you know people learnt how to use them in multiple dishes you know we tend to associate porridge with Scotland and oats really just with porridge just with oatmeal but the people in the UK made a range of amazing 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 dishes um, with oats which is what I'm diving into the kind of the legacy and all the hidden recipes that people have forgotten about. Does that answer your question? So, yes. Is good. So, is the the oats that we see today 
I mean, I'm assuming it's not exactly the same as the oats they would have had then, right? Because you said it was a weed and now you look yeah. at it and it's like totally different. Yeah. yeah. So the oats that we see today in our shops are mostly Avena sativa. That's the Latin name for the genus of the oat. And there are tons more oats with different names. And Really? Yeah, in the past, many, many, many varieties of different genuses and different varieties of the same genus were, were grown. And really now, most of the places where those exist are just in seed banks. There are people who are bringing back old varieties of oat. In Wales, there's an incredible project um, which is being, I think, funded by the Gaia Foundation, it's called where black oats are being reintroduced. That's a native variety to Wales. And also there's a, a woman who's doing a PhD on a Cornish um, particular variety of naked oat, which is slightly different to a Vena sativa, called, which was called Pilcorn in Cornwall originally. And that's being oh. reintroduced to Pilcorn. So there's wonderful kind of reintroduction projects. I know that black oats are also grown in other places in Europe because podcast listeners have sent me, you know, pictures of and of packets and um, companies that grow them. So they are, variety is coming back, but it's nothing like the variety that there would have been in the past. I mean, the books that I've read that are not even 100 years old, some of them list the varieties that were being grown at that time and we're just not growing them anymore. So my takeaway the is that somebody somewhere is doing a PhD on one yeah. obscure variety of oats. Yeah. So there's a lot to learn here. Exactly. And she's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Harriet, yeah. Harriet oh my Gendel, goodness, you can find amazing. her on Instagram. She's amazing. I can't even imagine the kind of rabbit holes that she's gone down and she can't even put it all in her, you know, thesis or whatever. So no. I'm sure she looks at some really fascinating stuff and then it's not relevant enough, but it's like you and I would just want to tear through all that material. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Okay. And variety's good. Variety's healthy. Everybody who's listening is our, we have very well-informed listeners. So you guys know, like, one variety of potatoes, bad story in Ireland. One one yeah. variety of bananas, not going so well for us. No. Um, so, yeah, one variety of oats, probably, I mean, I know it has its advantages. And when you're growing something, you're like, oh, this is why people prefer it. Yeah. It's twice as big and twice as fast, you know. <laughs> but when it collapses because of some, you know, bug that kills only that variety, it's like, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. great that people are bringing back varieties. Did was it always fermented when people ate it historically? Hmm, that's a good question, and I think this is where we kind of start to hit the controversy or controversy, uh -oh. <laughs> depending on where you're from. <laughs> because <laughs> no, oats weren't always fermented, mm -hmm. and everybody uh, just just <laughs> closed their podcast player and they're like, "Well, I'm done." Guess yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear that. Um, <laughs> it it really. The first, you know, when I when I started to realize that delving into the history Gosh. of this, it really surprised and puzzled me, you know, considering okay. what we know about the importance of fermenting grains and really that the Scottish, for example, who um, really ate oats three meals a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, wow. 
did wow. not ferment their oats in any other way that I have any documentation of other than a few sort of obscure oat cakes that only happened every now and again and soons. And yet, you know, Weston wow. Price went to Scotland in his book. Uh-huh. He documented it, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, and he found the Scots to be a picture of health. And yet they weren't fermenting their oats. Um, so I did write a blog post, which I will link in the show notes, um, with my conjectures on why didn't the Scottish routinely ferment their oats. Um, because it's a it's a fascinating subject and, and I think one I'll probably never know the answer to. But I've got my yeah. ideas on it. Having said that, there are some amazing and and frankly, delicious examples of fermenting oats. The first one we've talked about already, which is Suens, which mm-hmm. regular listeners to the podcast will, will know I'm kind of crazy about. And so many of, of listeners have done the course and have enjoyed the Suens. Suens creates um, a creamy, tangy porridge, which is really easy to digest, and a live probiotic fermented drink, two products in one. And it's something that the Scots really had part of, as part of their culture up until about 150 years ago. The other one is the word that we both massacre because we don't speak Welsh, <laughs> which is... Sorry, Carwin. Humri, which is L-L-Y-M-R-U. That's the explanation of why it doesn't sound like you see it. And that mm. is a Welsh example of fermenting oats, which is kind of a bit similar to Suen's in that it's easy to digest because it doesn't include the kind of rough roughage part of the oat but it's fermented instead of being a wild ferment like Suen's is it's fermented with buttermilk because that was just in abundance in Wales and it's set into a jelly oats have a kind of a, a structure in them that if you make the ferment this way and then pour it and let it set it will go into a into a mold and you can make jellies with it yeah um shape so yeah i've i've listeners know that i've talked about suens in in lots of places and a little bit about humri um the suens course if people want to dive into it there are tons of great reviews on it it's a it's a fab course and that's the place where to you can learn about suens and of course if you want to do that but you also want to have my zoom course you can get money off the suens course like you were saying the eight dollars if you want to do that yeah Let's just go all in with oats. Can you put the link to that blog post in the show notes? Yes, I certainly will. So people can see that. Okay, good. All right. So thinking about how they, you know, kind of lost in this beautiful old world, Scottish moors, all of this stuff. Mm. Fast forward to the modern world, Mm. Alison. How do (laughs) people still eat oats today? Yes. Um, So how is it mostly eaten? What's the primary use for oats? Sorry, Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a painful subject. Sadness in me when I approach this subject. (laughs) So oats really are consumed in highly processed forms these days and mostly in cereals, you know, breakfast cereals in a packet in a plastic bag that are put on your plate and poured into your bowl and pasteurised milk poured over every morning. Um, Oats got the first health claim allowed by the FDA, um, which was that they are heart healthy because of their the studies that show that they lower cholesterol levels. And so because of that, you know, from that moment on, oats were a business. 
because you know wow they're heart healthy they can lower your cholesterol we all know what the whole cholesterol business and everything else is so it was a a good opportunity for companies to jump on the oat bandwagon a bit like what happened with the mediterranean diet really so um we did talk on a um one of the patreon private podcasts i looked it up number 25 our kitchen table chat number 25 about exactly how these oats are processed because i've read some studies and i just was floored to read what they do to these cereals i mean i know they're highly processed but you just (laughs) men have made machines that do the most incredible things just to make those oats into a form that apparently we need them to be in order to eat them Uh, it's just not good they're made into a paste they're mixed with all this other stuff they're put into a pressurized space then pop the pressure's released and they explode it's just it's uh, it's not food basically so um, oh man that's that's something that I feel really strongly about and that that's part of the reason why I'm motivated to produce the book because Mm. the Scottish the Welsh the Irish the Cornish the Northern English they made these wonderful things with oats because they were the grain that they had to survive on and we've just lost all that those recipes to history we've lost all those ideas to history and instead we've built great industrial kind of complexes to to put our oats into massive vats and pop them into shapes so we oh. can tip them out of a plastic packet into our breakfast bowl and it's a it's a travesty in my opinion yeah and so, yeah, I want to try and encourage people to to let people know that there are other ways to eat oats and to encourage them to try them. Um, because most oats are consumed today in a world that, um, in, a, in a way that is not particularly healthful or good or sound environmentally, I don't think. I should have put a trigger warning before this question we just did. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> step off. Like there's a lot of words you said in there that are very. <laughs> what? It always comes back to the Romans, doesn't it? It is scary to think how you said, well, you know, this has been being used for a couple thousand years. And I'm thinking about that. Mm. That link you sent me with the pictures. Can you? Is that, do you talk about that in your Zoom course or is that a link you could put in the show notes or something or put it on the mm. Discord or something where you mm. showed me that guy making the cakes, the really flat ones? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm trying he to was remember. Like, he was rolling them. them out and it said, oh, this guy could do so many per second. And then if somebody else would crank the thing, then he could like double his output uh, making yeah, little yeah, yeah. cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can put, just thinking I can about, put some links to that. Yeah, that kind of artisanship and pride next to, you know, just making something automatically because label law said that you can put that it's a heart healthy diet and everybody's in a panic about their heart, you know. Yeah. I don't know, it just seems like a very quick, a very rapid loss of knowledge and value. It It is. Um, it's, you know, the, these things that we're talking about, not just oats, you know, it, it expands out, but oats you can take any of these food products and you Mm. can almost paint the same picture around them you know that up until a couple of hundred years ago even closer than that we weren't doing that the world was completely different up until like 60 years ago 
70, 80. Yeah, years I was going to say, it, it's, we're talking, some of these videos that we've come across are like when our parents would have been young. Yeah. So it's not really that long ago. No. And that's kind of terrifying when you think what, what kind of knowledge that seems almost implicit that could be lost by the time our kids are grown and kind of just makes me want to redouble our efforts on the podcast and make sure that we don't lose everything that our ancestors basically (laughs) died to discover you know this is why that the people who sign up as patrons kind of fill me with with joy because this is something that you and I and they feel so deeply yeah and want yeah. to ensure doesn't happen. You know, they they envisage a different world. And through kind of supporting us and being, building this community together, we're, all of us are so much stronger and able to share that information more widely in the, you know, to step towards the vision that that we all want. Because um, yeah. it is scary that it, it can be lost just that quickly. Very. And like, Uh, bibliomaniac girl said I just love that name (laughs) but not feeling yeah (laughs) not feeling like you're alone in it yeah so hey there thank you for being a listener of the ancestral kitchen podcast it means so much to Allison and I when you post a review on Apple or Spotify or share about the podcast in your stories or send us a message and let us know what it means to you, which is hopefully something good. You can also sponsor the podcast through our Patreon account and help Rob buy weird gadgets to edit out my coughs and microphone bumps in the background. We have a variety of different levels you can choose from and a bunch of different benefits you can enjoy, ranging from additional interviews to video content and downloadable goodies. Check it out at patreon.com slash ancestral kitchen podcast. Okay, let's be very practical then. Yeah, okay. How? Talk about some Okay, so it's really quite simple at its essence. You just need your oats and you need some water and you need a starter and you need time. Now, um, your oats at that stage are going to be rolled oats. That's with the more um, kind of broken up the grain is, the easier it is for a starter to access those carbohydrates. So I'm talking about kind of rolled oats, whether Mm. they're really thick kind of jumbo old fashioned ones or um, which are whole groats that have been rolled in one piece or smaller ones, which are bits of oat groat, which have been rolled. Um, The starter portion of it, it can be anything you know it it depends on really what you have at hand so if you're a sourdough maker you likely you've got some sourdough starter hanging around so bung that in you know put a spoonful of that in if you've got <laughs> um bung that's our technical term isn't it um <laughs> yes if you've got milk kefir which, which you always do put some milk kefir in if you don't have either of those you can put sauerkraut juice in you can put water kefir in you can put kombucha in you can put anything vinegar anything that's got live bacteria mm. and you only need a little bit of it so it's not like you know your porridge is going to end up tasting really strongly of sauerkraut by the time you cook it. it it won't just whatever you have to hand that have that has those live bacteria in what i usually do is i put my oats in the bowl I cover them in ample water because they will soak up a lot of that water. I put a blob of whatever my starter is in, 
maybe like a tablespoon. And then I stir it around. Um, if it's a sourdough starter, I'll try and break up the sourdough starter a bit. And then I just leave them. And however long you leave them is up to you. I leave mine on the counter, so they're just at room temperature. And usually I will leave them overnight, so I'll you know do them the night before. And then I'll leave them for breakfast um, on the counter all night, and we'll eat them for breakfast. Sometimes I leave them out for longer. The longer you leave them, the more sour taste-wise mm -hmm. they will become. If I um, set them all up to ferment and then in the morning I think, oh no, actually I've got some of this left over, I should eat that first, I'll put them in the fridge and that just slows down to almost stops the fermentation and they can stay in the fridge like that for days and days and days. You know, you can do a big batch at the beginning of the week on a Sunday, ready for your breakfast in the week and you put the whole batch in the fridge after one night on the counter and then you just pull it out and make oatmeal every day with it. And it will get progressively yeah. a bit sour during the, the week. If you don't like your stuff so sour, then don't leave it on the counter. Put it in the fridge instead and it will ferment really, really slowly. Um, it, it's up to you, you to use what you have and what you like. I do often get asked, do, do I have to drain it afterwards? You know, like if I've soaked my grains. No, you just cook the oats with the soak water. It, it's hard to separate them out anyway because... Once the oats have been ground, a lot of the kind of little bits of whitey carbohydrate go into the water. So just mm -hmm. cook your oats with the soak water as well. That's as simple as it gets. And through doing that, you will hit all the first four of those why ferment your oats um, points that I started at the beginning. And here's where we start getting a bit deeper. So um, I've got such a long bit here with my notes to read that um, I'm going to just say a little prayer and hope that it comes out sounding all right. Leaving <laughs> um, you. So um, it is unlikely that soaking your oats in that method that I've just described will neutralise the phytic acid. In order to neutralise the phytic acid in your oats, if you want to, and we'll talk about that a bit later on, you need to use freshly ground, ideally rye flour. And I'm kind of going to spend a while breaking that down now, which, because this is something that I've been researching for about six months now and reading tons and tons and tons and coming to conclusions that surprise me and have changed the way that I act in the kitchen. So oats have low phytase anyway. Phytase is the enzyme that can neutralize phytic acid. Remember, phytic acid is the thing that binds, potentially binds to minerals and stops you absorbing them. The counter to phytic acid is phytase, which, if activated correctly, can break down that phytic acid so it can't bind to minerals. With oats, the processing that's done on them probably eliminates the phytase that is there. Oats are processed in a way that um, other grains aren't because when the holes are taken off them, they get damaged. And when they get damaged, they're exposed to oxygen and there's an enzyme in them that starts to go rancid, that turns fat rancid. So they can go rancid after they've been through the kind of the, the mill and the hole's been taken off. So in order to stop that, they are heated. Traditionally, they were kiln heated. Nowadays, they are heated in a steam environment. 
And that processing eliminates, probably eliminates all of the phytase that was in oats. Not that there was much in the, in the first what? place. So you're talking so, processing before it even comes into yeah, our yeah, house. That's right. Before, even if you buy the oats as a groat, that will have happened to it. And this would have been historically the case too, because mm. it is really hard. Is it not with oats to not damage it? Or is that a modern oat thing? That's a really uh -oh. difficult question. Uh-oh. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> so that, that question is, it, as I said, in the past, these oats were kilned without steam. Now they're what does, killed. What does that mean? Means put in a dry heat environment. So people had kilns. Okay. They built kilns and they put a fire underneath. Then they had a shelf above, and the heat came up through, radiated through the shelf onto the oats and raised the temperature of the oats enough oh. so that they changed their flavour and were more toasty flavoured. But in that process, huh. wow, um, that that's how the oats are processed. Nowadays, oats. Is that so they don't. Mm -hmm. Is that so they don't sprout? No. I'm confused. I think, oh, okay. it, I think, from my research, it was done to improve the flavour and change the moisture levels so they would store more. I mean, we're talking like a very easily. soggy environment. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. How do you talk about my country? It's a very soggy environment. <laughs> hey, I'm in the cousin, okay? I'm in the cousin. I'm in the cousin state. <laughs> so, but I can imagine it would yeah. take one year of that harvest going in and you're like, wait, it all molded. Yeah. To like, yeah, okay. All right. Nowadays, oats aren't just heated. They are heated oh. and steam is injected into them you don't what? you don't you don't want to see a modern oak processing plant diagram it is ridiculously complicated really yeah wait so, but mm -hmm. if you're heating them to get the moisture out then you're steaming i am yeah, so confused i know so oh. <laughs> i what i've read is that oats that are heated and steamed that is a more mm. effective way to stop them going rancid than just heat alone so the implication of that is that the um, the process of adding steam to them does something extra to stop the oats going rancid. It, so from that, I kind of read that perhaps when the Scottish and the Welsh just killed them, they perhaps didn't kill off all the phytase. No, you're making me think, Alison, because if you're saying that steaming is an additional process that makes it last longer, everybody who's worked with ancestral food for five minutes knows that that means it's killing off something yep, that's exactly. still alive after exactly. killing. So the so old, something that could survive. The oh. old books I've read about oats have referenced sometimes that after a while, oats can get a kind of a bitterness to them. And that uh -huh. is the action of the degradation of the enzyme in them degrading the fats and what do they mean by a while um like the, years or no um one season's oh. worth of oats it depends on the top where you store it that's why storage was so important to the okay. scottish and Welsh okay. when when they had their oats but um that kind of implies that that doesn't happen nowadays with heat with heat and steam but it kind of implies hmm. that in the olden days when it was just heat perhaps all the phytase wasn't 
killed off and all the enzymes weren't killed off because the oats went rancid. You know, if that lipase, which is the enzyme that makes the oat go rancid, wasn't killed, then maybe all the phytase wasn't killed off too, which is another enzyme. Oh, this is so interesting, Alison, because everything everything hinges on it. Like when you told me about putting the big cases of oats and the girls stepping on it to like, Mm. like all these things are pivoting around this little information and own I just wish I could go back 150 years and talk to people about it in Scotland or Wales you know yeah but I can't yeah um so let's go back after that slight diversion let's go back to the kind of story of phytic acid so um the processing done eliminates probably the phytase that is naturally inherent in the oat grain So what we have to do if we want to break down phytic acids is we have to add a phytase-containing catalyst. A lot of grains have higher phytase than oats, particularly rye. So you can use rye, you can utilise the phytase that is in rye to help you eliminate the phytic acid in the oats. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And there's a big but here now. So... (laughs) Yeah, so what you just said about the oats Hmm. has to be true for the rye then, right? So if you're putting the rye in, can this just be rye flour? Yeah, now this is the the but, and I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. So phytase is an enzyme, as I've said, and enzymes degrade through different ways. And one of them is exposure to oxygen pretty much like you know um the same thing that's happening when you break the the oat grow so if you put a source of rye into your soaking oats that is old and you're expecting it to potentially neutralize the phytic acid it's very likely that it won't because the oxygen that has been around that old rye will have degraded the enzymes including the phytase so wait define old define old what do you mean i how no one has done any tests on it but you know immediately (laughs) that you grind flour you think of the tiny Uh tiny bits in it and how much oxygen they're exposed to how long do you think it takes for those enzymes to degrade i don't know a day oh half an hour not long not long yeah i was gonna say minutes so by old you literally could mean like ground yesterday yeah yeah, I mean, I don't have or, the, I don't yeah, have the chemical don't equipment know to long, test but... them, and no one has, but um, no one has tested it yet. So you need fresh Why aren't rye flour. I'm interested in this as we are. <laughs> you need fresh <laughs> rye flour or fresh okay. flour from a grain that has phytase in it. Rye, I say okay, rye so because it has is... a high level of phytase. This is kind of not. I don't want to derail it, but this is kind of related then to something you and I have been talking about on the KTCs together, Mm, mm. um, which is where we explore more ideas (laughs) that we just don't have time to get to on the podcast. Um, But you and I both are now milling grain. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing that pushed me over the edge. I've been wanting to buy a grain mill for some time, but just sitting on it Mm -hmm. thinking I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, I can't get it organized, I've got no space in my kitchen. You know, but... Like I said, no specific trial has been done showing this specific thing, but I have read a lot of other trials and I have drawn conclusions from all of that reading. And this research made me buy a grain mill. 
So I would mm. say, um, if you are worried about phytic acid um, and you want to make sure that your phytic acid in your oats is potentially being broken down, then get a grain mill and put freshly ground rye flour in your oats. Um, okay. If, like me, you've been thinking of buying a grain mill and, and this pushes you over the edge like it did to me, I bought a mock mill, which I use. I want one. And I love. And if you are considering, oh, what grain mill shall I get? It's a stone mill. I bought the 100. I have set up a way that you can buy the same grain mill that I have and support the podcast. If you go nice. to ancestralkitchen.com oh, oh, if you go to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash mill, um, you won't pay any more for the grain mill. It'll be the same price as if you bought it from mock mill, but a small part of your purchase will come our way, which helps us do the work that we do. This is awesome. So I will because put Because you know mm -hmm. both you've been rolling your oats by hand. Yes. <laughs> And then I've been grinding a fair amount of our grains, but after you and I sat down and talked about all the research you had pulled up, mm. then I went, I had got my mom's actual grain yeah, grinder. Yeah. So instead of grinding it in my blender, I was just like, I need to be able to do more. And it is really nice because it's kind of like making cheese with milk that came right in from the yeah. cow and you never heated it. I feel like that with the grain like it's warm kind of faintly warm from grinding it and you just cannot beat the flavor yeah like phytase aside yeah completely <laughs> can't beat the flavor you know, talk, so going back to what, what i said i talked about we um when we had lunch the rye bread mm. that i ate was from freshly milled flour and and i just mm. can't stop eating it because it tastes amazing Absolutely yeah amazing. that's amazing so Okay, so keep going on this so I'll, journey. I will put a link in the show notes to that URL okay. that I just talked where you can um, go and then click on a link there, which will take you to Mock Mill and yeah. your purchase will support the podcast. Okay. Grain mills last a long time. They're, oh, they're, this they're like, to do like I, the rest of my life. It, I mean, I told you I took my mom's grain mill, the one she used when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Like, Amazing. hello. <laughs> Do you love oats? Want to try your hand at a traditional Scottish oat fermentation? Suens is just that. It was made in Scotland for centuries and will give you both a creamy, easy to digest porridge and a tangy probiotic drink. My video course, Suens the Scottish Oat Ferment, over at the Fermentation School, will guide you through everything you need to know to create these two ancestral foods in your own kitchen no matter what equipment you have. Head to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suens, ancestralkitchen.com forward slash Suens, S-O-W-A-N-S, or click the link in the show notes to get a 10% discount automatically applied. So putting, putting freshly ground rye flour in your oats will not make them sour because it's not got that starter in it. Some people prefer the flavour like mm. that, and if you do, um, then you can do it that way. 
Um, you can swap between the two, or you can even add your starter culture in at the same time as adding your rice flour in. Yeah. That's fine. Um, okay. I just wanted to say there's two things that kind of um, pushed me forward in this research. The first one is there's a Ramian Nagel article on the Western Price Foundation um, website, which people can go to. It's called um, Living with Phytic Acid, I think. And the other person I just want to shout out is Richard, who engaged with one of my oat blog posts about six months mm -hmm. ago and has pushed me forward in this to learn so much about um, phytic acid. There's a kind of a bigger question here, which I've been discussing with him, which is, you know, how much of a problem really is phytic acid? Recent studies have shown mm -hmm. that phytic acid's anti-nutrient effect only occurs when large amount of phytates are consumed within a diet that's already lacking nutrition. Also, it only affects the absorption of nutrients eaten at the same meal. So if you have oats for breakfast, the fact that they may have phytic acid in is not going to affect the minerals that you're eating at lunch and at dinner. Studies also show that a lot of people are immune to the problems that phytic acid causes. And I, really? think, I think that's because lactobacillus can break down phytic acid in the gut. So some people perhaps have a different strain. Maybe the Scottish have a different strain of lactobacillus in their gut, which help them break down phytic acid. So really, so many questions. I, I think there's, certainly in the Western Price community, I think there's a, quite a lot of panic around phytic acid. And I would say, mm -hmm. don't panic. You know, think about it, consider it. And if you're able to make a move and put freshly ground my flour in your oats, then by all means, if you think it applies to you, if you think you're having trouble, then go ahead and do it. But really don't, don't panic. Um, we talked on the KTC number 26 about phytates and freshly ground flour a bit more. So if you want to dive into that, um, yeah, that was a good one. Then you can join the Patreon community and go back through all our lovely private podcasts and listen to that. What if I want to panic though? Like <laughs> well, there's nothing I can do to stop you if you want to panic, <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what? Wrap up the oats for us then. What can you yeah. do with your fermented oats? So much, so much. <laughs> you did say three times a day, seven days a week. Yeah, so well, exactly. <laughs> so my Zoom recording goes into this and, and it comes with recipes for two different types of oat cakes, like you explained, plus a fermented oat bake, which I love making. Um, you can make oat cakes. You can make fermented oat bakes. You can make them sweet. You can make them savoury. You can make suens, which is absolutely wonderful and delicious. You can serve that in many ways um, and you get the probiotic drink as well. You can make porridge. You can top your porridge in whichever way you want. So really, porridge or oatmeal, as you like to call it, is mm -hmm. endless with its variations. You know, It doesn't have to be sweet. It can be savoury. You can put egg in it. You can put spinach in it. You can put miso in it. You can put nuts in it you can um, make it sweet you can put cream in it you can put butter in it just there's so many ways and spices to to change up your porridge you can reheat your porridge um in episode 34 i think we talk about the nourishing traditions recipe for oh yeah fermenting porridge Talk so about our favorites yeah people yeah. can go back and listen to that as i said you can make bakes you can make them sweet or savory you can make oat cakes you can eat them those oat cakes separately you can make the oat cakes big you can eat your dinner off them if you want to that's what i've been doing this week experimenting yep. with large oat cakes 
you can top casseroles with them. So instead of putting like a, a layer of cheese or a layer of potatoes on the top of your casserole, you can make little oat cakes and pop them on the top. Um, oh, you lost the Americans, Alison, when you said it's a cheese. We're not yeah, listening sorry. anymore. You got right then. You can put cheese, you can put oat cakes on and then top them with grated cheese. Okay. How about All right. that? We're yeah. back. We're here. Um, you can make Staffordshire oat cakes, which are a kind of a soft mm. oat pancake. The recipe for that's in the cookbook. Patrons can download Those the cookbook are so good. from the treasure trove. And like I said, you can make suins and swats. And that's in my course. Oh, that was. Um, uh, an incredibly quick run through all the amazing, amazing things you can do with fermented oats. And you can play with the, the amount of ferment. You know, if you want to have them really sour, you can make them really sour. If you just want to have them a little bit um, fermented, you can do that too. If you want to play with the flavours of the ferment, you know, you can ferment one of them with, with buttermilk or whey or milk kefir and, you know, put more mm. of it in. Or you can just put your sourdough starter in and perhaps your sourdough starter is a bit more kind of acetic. And flavor, uh-huh. and you'll get different flavor oats. Um, so really, you can put the swats in bread. Yes, you can put the swats yeah. in bread. You can drink the swats. You can put the swats in bread. You can use the swats as a starter for anything. What else do you mean using doing. it in bread? Like so, instead in of way? the instead of the liquid. Well, there's two ways actually. Oh, you can either oh. swap out the liquid amount of your bread with swats, which will change the flavor and the potential rising, or you can actually make a starter with swats so using that with um, flour to make a kind of a natural um, sourdough starter sort of thing that's inoculated with the swats um, goodies and then you can use that to rice your bread and one more thing that you can do with oats that you've posted pictures of you can grow them on your porch (laughs) yeah you can we're all in awe Alison that is a whole. That'll have to be another episode, won't it? That's a ve- That's <laughs> not a vena sativa. That's a um, vena nuda or a naked form, perhaps, um, which means that I was able to thresh those oats without going to one of those big industrial kind of places where they have to get the hull off. I was able to thresh them myself because they've got a vena nuda, which is what I grew, have a paper thin husk, and so um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot more. I know there's a lot more you can oats. say about that. Okay, next, next future next, episode yeah. is going to be future episode. So, have I answered all your questions, Andrew? Or did you? Oh, you've probably got more now, haven't you? <laughs> There's always more, mm. but this, this is the. It's insane because you could call it introduction to oats, but it is so much farther than what any of us typically hear about. Like you said, we just hear about porridge. Yeah. But you've sort of unraveled this whole world of people growing grains and surviving, feeding horses, being conquered, you know, changing their lives, learning how to live again, and then developing this incredible grain that we have. It's amazing to think if you pick up an oat grow and just hold it in your hand, it just, Mm -hmm. it can look so inconsequential. And yet, like you said, you know, civilizations were conquered and made based on one tiny seed and then thousands and thousands and thousands of people generations of families were sustained on one tiny seed and all the creativity and the kind of the microcosm that's held in the potentiality of that growth is just amazing it floors me every time 
Beautiful. I love it. Okay. Are we done? For the moment. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. It's <laughs> a threat, isn't it? I love it. All right. Well, thank you, Allison. I'm just, I'm uh, going to go eat some oats, actually. I have some on the stove right Good now. Good plan. So. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will, that's, um, that's the plan. I will talk to you soon. Enjoy your oats. I will. Thank you, Allison. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Thank you.